0: Hello, and welcome to the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast, your one stop for co-op news and reviews. This week, Jason Perez
1: is here to entertain you with some more Shelf Stories. Hey, gamers, this is Liz Davidson from Beyond Solitaire, and I'm doing something I haven't got to do in a long time, which is record with Jason Perez from One Stop Co-op Shop and Shelf Stories. How you doing, Jason?
0: Yo, my peoples, what's up? It's been too long. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been months, which is like too long.
1: I know, like we usually record more often this. It's just been like a crazy gear. Yeah,
0: I mean, well, well I think our, our content lives heading in a different direction than just like a lot of reviews. So we used to get together and like review a lot of games, but I personally am not playing a ton of new stuff. It's a lot of designing, yay, look at us designers, yay.
1: Yeah, you know, I've actually been thinking about that. Like I wonder what my output's gonna look like in five years from now. Mm. Because I don't want to stop designing. I'm really enjoying it as a process. And also, I think as you and I both get more interested in kind of talking about the historical elements of games or the cultural elements of games, it just kind of changes the kinds of things you make.
0: Absolutely. So uh, not as many just pure, just let's just get a game on the table and talk about it. But every once in a while, it's good to kind of get back to the roots and refresh the tree and whatever, you know, old saw (laughs) that you want to put in.
1: (laughs) Indeed, indeed. Uh, And so in that vein, we're going to talk about votes for women today.
0: Votes for Women from Fort Circle Games uh designer to Tory Lynn. So um up front we're the uh, like wall of disclosures. <laughs> I mean,
1: oh yeah, I, I got to make several.
0: <laughs> holy moly. Uh I mean we're both I mean well Liz is actually contracted designer. I am a contracted cultural consultant on one of the other products. Uh and we like Kevin, like <laughs> just bottom line. Uh yes. well, we like Kevin he's us for ball games and <laughs> conventions and he's a very friendly guy. Uh yes. so and I mean Fort Circle is a is a A special thing for us because they're such into the historical gaming which we are into, but just in general I find that for this episode and the next one we're doing we're all like a circle of friends at this point like we all kind of we're like a tribe. The historical gaming, not like war gaming specifically, that's not my tribe, believe me, that's more years. <laughs> <laughs> but games that are trying to grapple with history in an intelligent way, make arguments, uh, set up multiple sides and get people to think as well as have fun with these, you know, Euro modern mechanisms. Like we're all friends now. And we're rooting for each other to, uh, you know, to do their thing. So disclosures all over the place, but this isn't going to be a traditional review in any kind of sense. What we want to do is we want to just lay out the game, uh, talk about it, like invite people to check it out for themselves and see if it's uh, the right fit for you. And then after that, we're going to get into a discussion that kind of blew up on Boarding Geek recently. Oh, yeah. During the Golden Geeks, Uh, Vulture Women was categorized as a war game. What? Liz has thoughts oh no
1: yes uh one more <laughs> disclosure which is that one of the reasons I've not done a traditional review of votes for roman is because I was paid to do the tutorials so if you go to the Fort That's circle it. youtube channel um you can be taught by me how to play uh I do recommend it as a thing I actually do like the game uh otherwise I wouldn't have spent this much time talking about it
0: regardless Speaking, okay so you did a tutorial so you could probably give us a brief rundown a verbal rundown for this podcast yeah what's going on
1: so what's wrong one is what's called a card driven game and you have a deck and the opponent has a deck so it could be with two players, you could split the two sides into two so for up to four players or you could play solo against a bot, but the essential breakdown is that the suffragists are playing against the opposition and the suffragists. What's the want- setting
0: just in case I mean we have some non American listeners so they might not yes. know. Exactly what the setting is?
1: So it's leading up to the passage of the 19th Amendment, which allows women to vote in the United States. And so suffragists are people who want the vote for women. The opposition are traditional patriarchal forces who do not want women to have the vote. So if you are the opposition, you're just trying to oppose everything. You want to make sure that Congress doesn't ever pass the amendment and sent to the states at all if you can. And if they do, you want to make sure the states vote against it. If you are on the suffragist side, you are trying to lobby Congress to pass the amendment and send it to the states for a vote. And then you also want to build up enough influence in enough states for the amendment to pass. Mm -hmm. And so there's partially the game of you kind of spewing your little influence cubes all over the map of the United States, trying to get strong enough control of every state possible to make sure that you're getting votes in your favor. Um, There's also lobbying Congress. There is a bit of an economy of buttons that like you can get these cool little campaign buttons that are Mm -hmm. modeled on actual, you know, ones at the time,
0: the fourth circle treatment,
1: the fourth circle treatment,
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) just did a podcast about that I heard it. Indeed,
1: Uh, where, you know, basically you can, um, you know, accumulate these buttons to either bid on strategy cards between your normal card play rounds. Um, or you can use them to reroll if things are going well because there are a bunch of die rolls in the game. And you can campaign and you can play your different cards for events. There's basically a lot of stuff going on. But I will say if you're not somebody who games a lot or you've mostly played light games so far, this is a pretty doable game uh, Mm -hmm. because really what it boils down to is you have a hand of cards, you play one of your cards Mm -hmm. in one of the specified ways, and then your opponent plays one of their cards in one of the specified ways. So you just go back and forth. So there's a lot you can do, but on any one turn, it's not that complicated, just a little bit.
0: Right. So I taught this game at the library and and more, you've been to the library uh, in Manchester. So um, I volunteer once a month. Uh, and it's the kind of games that are mostly receptive to the library are these kind of, you know, light to middle Euro games. And I'm more and more appreciating when, when games are very intentional about, okay, simple turns, right? A lot, there, there could be a lot going on. There's, you know, mechanisms. And you, you, didn't, you didn't even describe most of what's going on. I mean, it's <laughs> there's a, a fair amount. But you got to the main thing, which is play a card and choose what you want to do based on that card play. So it's like, you could play the card for the event. You could play the card for this campaigning action, which is spreading all the cubes, uh, et cetera. So like that, that I appreciated that in terms of how teachable this game is and what kind of audience this game is going to uh, reach out to. And, you know, it's been really positively reviewed in like Polygon and Vulture. And like as a game yeah. that you can play with people, you know, and it isn't just like this kind of niche thing. Uh, so that's definitely uh, speaking to it. Okay, so we have, you know, again, not a traditional review. We're not going to kind of, you know, give some kind of ultimate assessment. Um, What I will say though is, the game proceeds in kind of three acts, right? There's three moments in the game. At the beginning of the game, you start with not a lot of campaigners out on the big board, and the game incentivizes you to kind of spread out with these cards. So you go into the state, different states. And if you get majority in a state for cubes or whatever, then you get the card and the card's a good thing. So it's like gives you a really concrete thing to go for, right? And then there's this middle part where you're kind of jockeying for stuff. And the middle part ends when you ratify the 19th Amendment in that Congress track. So the the suffragists are trying to push that Congress track. The opposition, either the bot or the player, is trying to stop that progress because one of the great conditions is the 19th Amendment never passes. So it's like, okay, here, you don't pass it. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, and then you get to this third act, which I think is the most exciting part of all, where it's like, okay, turning the 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 cubes into checks and Xs. Check, X, yes. check, X, check, X. So, oh, no, I did I played this card. I turned this X into a check and it turned X. Yeah. Like that, that, that part is exciting. And so like, I think the... And this, this, right. This came from me when I was playing at the library. The first part was fun and easy. Like, okay, there you go, go, go get the states. The climax was also cool. It's like, okay, yay, check X, check X. That middle part of like, you know, jockeying for the, the Congress track and everything uh, that was encountered by the people that I was teaching with. It's like, okay, uh, you know, I play a card, I move the thing up. Uh, the, my opponent plays a card, they move the thing down move up and down, move up and down. And then in the individual states, like I play, I play cubes, I put them there. And then the other opponent plays, They play cubes take my cubes away. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So I guess my, my only thing is for, with this game and, you know, is that middle. I wonder how people are experiencing that middle of like the back and forth. And maybe that's just like an area control thing. I'm not an area control person. So I don't love that the, you know, I did something that my opponent undoes it at the very next turn. The, maybe mm-hmm. as a, a more of a war game background, you kind of have more to say about that. But that's where, that's my, my, my thing that I want people to know of like yeah are you cool with that and your gaming experience of like the back and forth put cubes take cubes put cu- put cones take cones etc
1: Yeah, I think that there are, I think there's some truth to what you're saying for sure that it's, you know, there's a bit of a push pull there that can go on if you're feeling antsy about it. Um, At the same time, I do actually like that there are other things to concentrate on that can give you a little bit of a guide to what's the most important to do right now. So I really like the strategy cards because thinking about them and what you can do with them can inform the, the next course of your game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also love the state cards because they help me figure yeah. out which states I want to go for. So for those of you who've not played, there are some extra kind of cards sitting up there that you can acquire for yourself, but right. you either have to be the first one to get control of the state, or there's like a bidding war using your buttons between turns when you are trying to get strategy cards. And right. so thinking long term, not just about like, okay, am I gonna get this one state, but what areas of the country? Can I make trouble in so that it doesn't just go back and forth over one state? So that I actually have like a multi faceted, multi front strategy that's going to frustrate my opponent. And then also, you know, how do I get these cards first so that I have some advantages here over them and they don't get those advantages over me? So I think that it's possible to get tunnel vision in the game. Mm-hmm. But I also think that if you are like, you know, I think this is true for war games too. Like I get tunnel vision in war games and I always lose when I do it. (laughs) (laughs) Because if I get too obsessed with one part of one Mm -hmm. front, right, I mess up. And and so I think the game is training you, right, to think broad because Mm -hmm. if you're like, well, if this person's just so determined to have a South, screw it. Let them have it. I'm just going to go drop a bunch of cubes in the Midwest and watch them look baffled. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, The other thing though, is that I actually do think too, and this is actually something I do want to really talk about with this game is the game really, I think, tries to capture a lot of how this political process felt. And I suspect that that back and forth is very authentic to the way that Mm. people fighting about this issue felt mm-hmm. historically sure. like i certainly watch our issues du jour go back and forth and i feel like we make progress and we lose progress we make progress and we lose progress sure. we make progress and then suddenly we lose some more progress and sometimes it feels like two steps forward and then either one step back or three depending on how bad
0: mm-hmm. whatever's
1: happened it is and you know i i wonder if that frustration is something that's just baked into being part of a political process too um yeah.
0: And that's a tough thing because like you you want to evoke that as a feeling at, to you know, in to get people in the theme, right? and that back and forth. But then straddling that line between like a theme experience and a game experience. So yes. and and so this is what happened and when I was playing with it in the library with one group, and I felt really bad. So speaking speak, exactly what you said, they focusing on kind of like one part of the game and a very attractive part of the game to focus on, which is the Congress track. So yeah. it's 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 different than all the states, right? I mean, there's 50 states, there's 50 sets of cubes. Okay, we'll pick which one. But the Congress track, that one is like, okay, to pass the 19th Amendment so that you can get to that exciting end game, right? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, play this card and you know make progress. It's like a um, it's a track of six. Right, you got to get six cones on there or, or cylinders. There you go. Uh, so what the group ended up doing was like really focusing on that. So okay, I'm gonna try to get that. But the game is constructed such that okay, what one group gets it, and then the opposition can very easily just undo it with one card play. It's not that hard. <laughs> it's like you know, zoom, zoom. And as a matter of fact, the other the, the the bot player, the opposition player, was like they got the man, which was they didn't want it, but like they were last, <laughs> so you got stuck playing the man. But and they weren't um, they weren't that much of a gamer. They just yeah. like okay, um, they want that. I'm taking that away. So like every card they got, boom, took it away, and. What ended up happening was they 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 well they they passed it like the the second to last you know turn of the game, yeah. past nineteen which is not that's not that's not going to win you the game. So the, focusing on that track and I could see how attractive that is, just like basically broke the experience for them. Mm-hmm. You know, watching it go back and forth so easily, and I I get your point. It's like it's almost like a learn to play moment. Yeah. You know, so to speak, it's like, you know, you got it. You can't just like focus on the track, you know, and blah, blah. Um, But I guess like from the perspective of the kind of person who would pick this up, which isn't a person that's going to be seasoned in war games or whatever it is. It's kind of like just a a flag for people that like this game isn't exactly going to act like you might expect, you know, easy go for the Congress thing and then move on to the next thing. You might have to kind of change up a little bit. So kind of like just letting people know that that's what that's in there. No, yeah to avoid a frustration point
1: yeah because like part of what you want to do is you want the other person to panic and feel like they need to play their cards for something other than that event that's going to take the cylinder away but if you don't know that you can end up in kind of a, a spiral right and right. that's always tough um that said this game has a lot of what i appreciate the most in games these days which is a lot of thought going into historical accuracy Older theme
0: so, let, let's, but, talk the theme. so the let's talk about the themes with all mechanisms let's talk about our experience of the theme
1: Indeed. Indeed. So I think the thing I liked the best was that the game doesn't give suffragists a break in terms of just presenting them all as saintly good people who want something good. And instead, the game tries to reflect kind of conflict between different groups. So like intersectionality is not a guarantee. Um, And... Uh, far from it. And then you also have to make some really nasty choices about whether, for example, you want to sacrifice um, civil rights for Black mm-hmm. people at the expense of, you know, in order to try to get a boost for for the suffragist movement, which was a right. real argument mm-hmm. from this time period. And it wasn't because it was like, 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 well, a, like we a, we a debate. First?
0: It wasn't like a polite debate. Like there were schisms in the movement yes. because of the question of whether to admit Black women into. Uh, you know the area. so I forget the national and the American like the two factions I get them confused all the time I call them like the Susan B Anthony faction and the Lucy Stone faction so Susan <laughs> B Anthony was a white supremacist just like 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 straight up which I was distressed to learn because I grew up with the Susan B Anthony coins and I'm like ooh I have a Susan B Anthony coin it's like oh i a Susan we don't do that uh, <laughs> like, let's get some let's get some let's get something somebody else on there um, anyway so like that was that it's it's not like highlighted it's it, like, you can't like truly schism in the game as the suffragists, like you can't, right. like, you know, because you can get those kind of semi-co-op experience, which we're going to talk about in the next episode, the semi-co-op experience. So like the, the game didn't go that way. It could have, right. but it didn't. It, you're still co-op, but at least in the, like the the distinction of the pieces and the the, the text of the cards and the way that the cards kind of follow on one another. So like, if this card is in play, this other strategy is in play, then this other card, you can play that one or you can't play certain cards. So they, they, they layered in that way. Uh, Which was a a good choice because I don't, there's enough friction in the game. You don't need kind of that extra layer. Um, But yeah, no, that was, it was really well done. And on the man side, uh, you know, having this other strategy and having, you know, I learned about the, um, I didn't learn about it. I knew about it, but like I learned more uh, about the the alcohol, the temperance movement and how the temperance movement was pro suffragette. And like the bars were all like, no women stay home so that the men can keep on drinking type thing. Right, yeah. And like little touches like that are all kind of in there and they're they're there to be seen if you know what to look for.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that any more complexity added would have taken away from the game's obvious goal of being accessible. Right. But I like that the hints of problems are there. And I do like also that some of these events have long-term consequences. So if you go for the Southern strategy, it sits there on the board like a turd and <laughs> and bites you later yeah, yeah. for what you did. <laughs> and so like <laughs> and so like you have to sit there and live with what you chose to do and (laughs) I it's the
0: one card in the game that does that but it's what a card
1: (laughs) uh, yeah but it should you know what I mean because it's the one that has the most modern resonance I think it's so funny um Mm -hmm. not I mean and of course reality is very serious right but Mm -hmm. within the game context I like that you can choose to like we have talked about things like doing bad things in games um Mm -hmm. I, I like that it kind of you can do it. It has a momentary advantage, and then you right. have to like look at it
0: all game Deal with long. it. Yep, look what you did. Deal with <laughs> it. Deal
1: with it. Um, and the opposition cards are also really interesting because you know I don't really, I will admit this is not a period of history that I know a lot of details about, mm-hmm. and so I really liked that the cards were really based on people who actually did stuff and had something to do with this movement with like real images, and with real flavor text with like good descriptions i feel like i learn a lot every time i pull Mm -hmm. this game out because i I actually get a sense of who the key players are and in a way i find the game comforting because i feel like we're in a political time where people ask for rights and then have them denied or taken Mm -hmm. and it is encouraging to me to play something like votes for women and get a sense of how heated and uncertain it all really was Mm -hmm. um because it gives me some grounds for optimism that we can get through this,
0: yeah, I mean, just the simple act of like all the senators, right the 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 dour white guys, yeah, and the idea that like you know it, it could be so abstract when you're reading it when you're going into classroom and, and you know and learning about it and everything, but like when you have the card in front of you that's like, okay, I can't have the women's suffrage because the, these dower white guys, yeah, they they're all dour. <laughs> I don't know why I have to, they they do. That, I, it must be the formal portrait pose at oh, the time yeah. but every
1: nobody's smiling everybody looks like somebody just died
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like everybody's about to misbehave steal an apple from a tree or something. It's like you better not do that yeah <laughs> 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 it, it, so like it just it livens up and it, it actually invites a little bit of a little bit of role play because like you know when i was would i be playing this with the library people that they, they play that card it's like i'm looking at you now and yeah because you know, this is what you're doing <laughs> mechanically this is what you're doing and the feeling that it evokes off of the play i mean that's where that's where you're really kind of getting it as a game designer and that's what we're thinking about right we're we're thinking yeah. about like okay our mechanisms and for a an historical game in particular you really want people to kind of feel what they felt that like, to get to your earlier point and, and i think ultimately this game kind of really leads into that space and once again, we have, we're, we're biased. So it's like, we, we want to root for this game. So we're like, okay, this thing, you know, we, the temptation might be, to so like this game does a great job, but what I really want to land is this is what the game is going for. And if you want to check it out, which yeah. well, please check it out, then that's what you're, that's what you want to explore is like, how does this game make you feel? Does this game make you feel like an historical actor in the game? And then once you're in that space, then you can absorb all sorts of stuff the game's doing.
1: Yes. Yes, I agree. And so, speaking of sort of like openness to the game and and what it offers, um, I, we've been seeing some discussion in our community about like where it belongs mm-hmm. in terms of how we categorize it, who it's for,
0: transition. What it you're a pro. Does I am good <laughs> at that. <laughs> we only have between like about 700 pieces of content between us. <laughs>
1: You'd think I'm a professional at this.
0: (laughs) You would think so. All right. Let's talk about it. What is a war game?
1: What is a war game? So, you know, what's very interesting is that since I started talking about this, I have gotten so many little um, messages about it. Um, And like, including like these very certain comments on my, uh, Mm. on my, on the videos about it. Like, Mm -hmm. Votes for Women is not a war game. It is a conflict simulation, however, or like I think it's very obvious what a war game is. I think it's very obvious that a war game is, you know, like it's very, very interesting how certain people are about their mm-hmm. definitions. And I especially find this interesting because I don't think that definitions are very certain at all, mm. like basically ever. Right. Mm. And so, you know, to me, this is always like a bit of a surprise. So Basically, where this is coming from is that Best for Women was nominated for the Board Game Geek Golden Geek Award for Best War Game, Mm -hmm. for Best Thematic Game, which I thought was also a good fit. That
0: was good. good. And
1: uh, it's also up for a Charlie. And I am on the non-con for the Charlies. I won't say anything about what anybody else said. What is a Charlie? I supported this game. What is a Charlie? So, a Charlie is the Charles S. Roberts Awards. Um, They are a long-standing, but with a checkered history uh, war game award, Um, but technically it's a conflict simulation game award.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That's the mission. And so this has also led to a lot of discussions about what should be eligible for one of these awards. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look back at the past, like, so to be real, this is, awards and definitions are a mess things that have won charlie's in the past include sherlock holmes consulting detective oh my god (laughs) so i'm just i'm just gonna say
0: for you purity police come on there's always something (laughs) i'm just gonna
1: i'm just gonna leave that there (laughs) we're doing our best now okay in this modern era But the discussion of what is a war game is very live. And when it comes to votes for women in particular, there's been a ton of moaning and groaning about how it doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. It's not a war game. Mm It shouldn't be considered under war game awards. And I can see some of that argument. But Mm -hmm. I also personally believe that opening up the definition, even if it means changing it to historical game or something like that. I think that we need to have more flexibility. And the reason I think that is because so you and I were talking, you know, we were both at Circle DC. You and I are game designers now kind of working in the same space as traditional war game designers, Mm -hmm. as historical game designers. You know, Dan Bullock is on the fence about whether his games count as war games. He did um, No Motherland Without about North Korea, uh, 1979 Revolution in Iran. He's got a game coming out about, um, you know, weapons contracts in Afghanistan. So Mm -hmm. Is it a war game? Is it not a war game? Mm -hmm. If he would say no, but our categorizations, I think what we're running into is the idea that, so you and I were talking about our kind of people, right? Like Mm -hmm. our crew. And I think that there's also an our kind of games. Yes. These days. But it includes both traditional war games with like pew-pew and some hexes and some boats and some guns, you know, like tanks. <laughs> soldiers. Um, it
0: has to have toy soldiers, basically. Like whenever yes. I hear a war game and I hear people saying that's yeah. not a war game, I think there's a um a yearning for the toy soldier and all the stuff that I, I would around. agree. Yeah.
1: I would absolutely agree with that. Um, and so you know what makes this hard, right? Is that I understand the desire on both ends to kind of protect and to expand and to make sure that the kinds of games that you care about still have space to win an award. Mm-hmm. I really think it's the only place where this matters to mm-hmm. be real.
0: Right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, okay. So we're entering hobbies, changing. We, we That's all we do is talk about the hobby, changing and diversifying and expanding oh, yeah. inclusive, all that kind of stuff. And you know that like war gaming has traditionally been sh- straight up the province of white guys who like to sit in the back of the store and play with their toy soldiers. To be honest with you, and yeah, and I mean that's
1: certainly the percent. Things are changing now, but they're changing now. But like, in terms changing of like, now. in
0: terms of the 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 tradi- where we're we coming from, yes. right? And uh, and I, I'm being a little bit reductive there. I mean, there it, I think there was a a, a sense of. You know, these people are you go to their houses and there's like their bookshelves are full of World War II books and they're full of, you know, uh, accoutrement and all that kind of thing. Like, they like, like war, baby. Like this is this is what this is all about is war. And because it's the long-standing thing, all the awards are kind of through that prism. And, you know, when you want to, when you win an award, you want to win something with some pedigree, you want to, like, it's almost like a status thing. That's, that's what we're arguing about. We're arguing about the status thing. So it's like, okay, uh, if we were to make a a consim award, it'd be newer, it'd be less understood, it wouldn't have as much status. So by saying vote to women is a war game, what we're saying is, what we're saying is we want this to win an award with the same status as what was what came before. Right. And so, yes. you know, so I, so it's like, yes. okay, we're, we're, so that's what we're jostling about. We're jostling about this word war, and we're trying to, and so like one side is trying to kind of restrict it and like keep the status in, within what traditional, right. you know, hex encounter work, uh, you know, toy soldiers. And then you have another one who wants to expand the definition precisely because we don't want to be in the ghetto of like, okay, the accommodation inclusive area. We want to be in the middle and we want an expanded yeah. middle. So I don't want to sit on the JV team forever.
1: This is a varsity game.
0: Like- yes. <laughs> no. Yeah. The JV. We're not winning the JV historic sim award. We're winning the. Give Give us the good stuff, right? And right. So and so that's a live issue. So like maybe you know I, I mean I've I've heard discussion that like okay maybe we should rename it and all that kind of stuff. I'm like okay good. So maybe that's ultimately what has to happen is this broadening and like a realignment where like the toy soldiers become the JV. And that's like the worst outcome ever, isn't it? For some people, it's like, oh, my God, we're going to get demoted into the JV. And so there's so much. So like there's the conceptual kind of like um, argument. And then there's like the sociological stuff. Yes. And we confuse those things and we don't like we don't mean know what we're talking about in terms of those things. For me, this is a total sociology beef.
1: I think I'm you're standard. absolutely right. This is very much a status issue and maybe an intellectual supremacy issue.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, because okay, so let's be real. People who play, like, if you look at old Avalon Hill advertisements, even right, it's like, you know, oh, do you know thinking men who are going to be able to handle <laughs> these war games? You <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let's be real. Like I war games so, are perceived. Yeah. They're perceived as intimidating. They're perceived as thinky. They're perceived as like for a specific kind of person who likes history and who likes to read and who likes and you know, I mean, for me, that was part of the attraction, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that when you're call, when you want to call something a war game, it's not I want to tell you that, you know, your PPUs aren't good enough anymore or something like that, right? It's I want you to take this game seriously mm-hmm. in the same way. Like votes for women is one of those games that belongs in the same competitive pool mm-hmm. as any other serious war historical game right. and it doesn't make sense for it to be competing in a different pool mm-hmm. that contains fantasy games or like games about quilts or like mm-hmm. i mean i'm actually pretty sure any of these can be very heated right like i'm not right. and it's not that those <laughs> themes are not as good right right but it's that votes for women belongs in the category of games that are really trying to say something right And I think that that is the
0: difference, right? And and that's
1: where we're having a hard time. I think trying to describe what we want and
0: what we mean. And that the something that we're saying involves human conflict. Yes. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're talking about games, with history where we're highlighting moments of high conflict. I mean, there was huge stakes involved in the in the vote for women. There was some you know, people who were arrested and, uh, the, the, you know, organizations, people you know, gave their lives to these causes and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, the, the people who are part of the suffrage movement, they, they perceive themselves as soldiers. There's cards of that of like, you know, the women would go into, you know, battlegrounds. Uh, or uh, there was one thing about the San Francisco earthquake, and like to have that kind of suspended. Uh, it's like I, I could just kind of put myself in the mind space of like I'm in, organizing in San Francisco, and I can't do that anymore. Uh, there's a big, been a big earthquake. The city's stuff shut down. My cause, right? My cause, and all that, and that. So that that emotional investment of being that's that's what a soldier is really. That they do more than pew pew. There's an emotional investment, right? So yeah, anytime you have that on the ground level, or anytime you have like you know powerful people jockeying for power. You know what do they yes. say? Like like war is politics by other means? Like why why if so if that's true, and I think people would just kind of like take that as a saw, if war is politics by other means, then why can't we expand the definition of what is a war game? Right. It's just a war by other means type. Yeah.
1: Type well, the thing is that um, you know, I think our language is also very slippery. Like, think about how many people describe themselves as culture warriors, talk about the culture of war. Um, or you know, we talk right. about Oh, man, that was, uh, you know, even um, even if you listen to goofy club music, right? We're going to fight till we see something. No, you're actually just going to try to stay up and have a good time. Sometimes war is fun. Oh, um, right.
0: well, you know, but, the black aerial. I mean, there's all sorts of things you can kind of like get our our uh, bees in a bunch about.
1: Oh, yeah. But professional war gamers have already very much expanded the term war game. I mean, you can literally talk about war gaming a pandemic now and have that make sense at the Department of Defense or at a federal agency who's commissioned a war game about an issue. So at the professional level where people are using games to save lives and train leaders, war game really just means let's look at a conflict or a situation game it out and see what we can learn about it. So,
0: martial societal response, I think that's a big thing. You know, so like this is not a a debate over, uh, you know, is Daft Punk or whatever it is. This isn't like a fandom thing. This is like the the activation of nations to get things, objectives done that are in the national interest.
1: Yes. And so I think that there are already sectors where, you know, and I would say that, you know, what we do is nothing on what the pros are doing um, in terms of games being important and needing to say the right things and Mm -hmm. give the right options. Um, But war game is already taken on a different meaning further up the chain. Um, The other thing is that we're also dealing with the difference between what is a war game and what is a conflict simulation, and we haven't actually totally finished like separating that out. Mm -hmm. So one of the nomcom issues for the Charlies was that the charter specifically says that they acknowledge that not all conflict simulations have to actually involve war
0: Hmm.
1: and so political or historical events can be candidates for conflict simulation and so like charter like section 2.3 or something like that says this (laughs) um but the categories as they're currently defined and like of course this is something that we're gonna be talking about in future years like gary ardwolf the current director has already been really open about this in public so i don't feel weird saying it Um, uh, you know we talked about what do we do about the categories because you look at the categories, they still have the word war game in them. And they're very striated according to the periods of history that war gamers traditionally have favored. Mm. So there's like best Napoleonic, best Civil War, World best war Ancients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Best, yeah. And so, you know, those categories don't always fit games that are about something other than a specific war from a specific time period. Mm-hmm. And so we have to figure out how to reward games that are coming out in those areas because we should but also how to make seats at the table for games that are doing really important things in the space, but linguistically we are not yet accommodating them.
0: Mm-hmm. And that, and and that's in terms of like getting back to the whole thing, what is a war game? I mean, a war game is, has been traditionally this kind of narrow thing. And if we want to do this whole inclusion thing uh, so much of it is just our language and the way we, the words we use and the way we talk about them. And it's, it's that seems so silly, but you know, that's how humans work. It, yeah. Like the words we use and the, the the priors when something gets baked in as a prior, that really kind of shapes our vision of what's out there and what's possible. Yes. So you know, I you um the, the Zenobia thing, you know, um, what is a rebellion Haiti, which I'm so totally looking forward to. I hope that that game gets signed. Um, Tendaya, which I have over here, which was about the the Canary Islands. I love that game. And, you know, there's conflict there and there's that, that is a, you know, even just like games, you know, the native resistance games. And I think like something like Navajo Wars got, um, and Comancheria they, that got, that gets acknowledged as a war game because it's, it's very intentionally focused on like the struggles of those peoples as a whole, but like every conflict with the natives ha- should have some war game elements. And it's like, okay, where are we making space for all that? You know? And so, yeah, yeah and, and so I think, um, I love that votes for women, and I love that BGG. Kudos to them. Have the open mind and be like, okay, no war game, discuss, because <laughs> <laughs> it really challenges a conversation like this. Where it's like, wow, okay, I need to step back and just and get out of the toy soldier mindset, get out of the Napoleonic mindset, and rethink this category. And then Liz and I are partisans. We we want this to happen. i do
1: yeah i will say i'm absolutely biased in opening up definitions this is also partially and i mentioned this i actually wrote a blog post about this like i am very skeptical of the idea that any definition is going to hold on everything because even if you say oh war has to have some kind of conflict well what about a game that's about logistics Mm. because i would say that Mm. logistics of getting your men their ammo is just as important as modeling the actual shooting part for example Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, if it's politics in wartime and you're convincing people whether to engage in a war to continue or to sign a treaty and you get news from the front, does that suddenly not become a war game, even though it's about a war, but it didn't have any actual kinetic conflict in it? I just think it's so messy um, if you're really thinking about what conflict can encompass. Um, but I also, you know, as somebody with a PhD in religious studies, the first thing that we had to do in one of my early graduate seminars was define religion. <laughs> and
0: the <laughs> once you start trying to do
1: that it's a mess it's a mess it's a mess like oh belief in a higher power but like okay but what about the people who are spiritual but not religious it's that fully encompass religion mm-hmm. um oh it's a set of activities that y'all do together um to show your devotion okay well i was at a Braves game last night
0: yeah <laughs> and
1: we had a liturgy
0: you know <laughs> Well, that would be civil religion. I, I I, can tell you talk your head off about civil religion, but anyway, yeah. way far afield. Right.
1: But if we're trying to find religion, there are a lot of things. Like, I mean, especially because a sports game, for example, also has lots of superstitious practices around it. Oh boy. Typically, among people who are very devoted to the sport, who, you know, like mm-hmm. gamers, players who have their lucky stuff, or like, you know, people who think that, you know, certain chance or certain thing you know what I mean like there's a, there's there's definitely like a high level right of almost superstition about a lot of sports activities and so like think about like the curse of the billy goat mm-hmm. you know the Cubs for like 100 years um, <laughs> and, and and so I um I just really I, I I'm very skeptical that you can actually define something cleanly and the more confident you are about how clean your definition is the less likely I am to buy it Sure. Because mm-hmm. it means you weren't thinking about the slip and slide into and nuance. And that's where I live as a person who is, I mean, my boyfriend can't stand the fact that I can't answer a yes or no question half the time. <laughs> Cause I'll be like, well, it's more complicated than yes or no. Okay.
0: <laughs> Pancakes or waffles. <laughs> <For granted> well, <laughs> <our> waffles. <laughs> And so, I mean, on my end, I always try to look at it from the other perspective and, and what, what is, so Okay, if it isn't just like a gatekeeper thing, right? Unless yeah. kind of, uh, because there's definitely some people where it's like it's just straight up gatekeeper thing. But there are some people who want to be able to preserve something. Right. You know, it's like, okay, if, you know, if if war is being expanded, is it going to be, ex- you know, if I buy a war game, I want to, I'm, I'm coming out of a certain set of expectations that I'm going to be buying Oregon. So, like, if I'm like the most reasonable thing in the world is like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm a war i'm a war gamer i want to buy a war game but i haven't played in a little while i'm gonna go down the bg list and i'm gonna you know buy whatever's on there votes for women what is it? and and there's gonna be that kind of record scratch moment so i think right. on some level like there's gonna be people who think like in, in that category of like what is war and they're trying to want to preserve something right and so it's like okay i, I get i get what's trying to be preserved yes but the at the at, at the same time it's like that usually those restricted definitions real, are, are really exclude some important things.
1: Right. The other thing, yeah. though, is that this works two ways. So, for example, I think Endurance from Spiel was a fantastic historical game this year. Calling it a war game is such a stretch that I can't even imagine right. it. Does that make sense? Because it's not even about really conflict. It's just about surviving in the Antarctic. Right. Um, but it's an incredible game and it deserves to be recognized in its own way. So that causes issues, you know, Dan Bullock and I've had this conversation, on this channel recently, and he had a good point about how he wants there also be room for games about, you know, high fashion in different periods of time. And, you know, all of a sudden, so, you know, war game can't really cover all of that.
0: Right. There should be a war game and a historical game, no question.
1: Yes. There the sure. question is like, where do we draw that line? And how do we make sure that we're adequately rewarding both categories? Mm-hmm. Because... For me, the issue is that I don't want games that are about something special and that are really making interesting historical commentary and that are, you know, doing something a little different from, you know, like for example, I'm looking over at my Anne's End expansion that just came in. I love Anne's End. Um, I'm becoming more of a historical gamer now, right? So, like, my interest in what I want to play is changing, mm-hmm. but I don't think that a game about historical fashion or about the Antarctic, the Shackleton expedition belong necessarily in the same awards category as something like Anzend or even Hapobacus, which, yeah, I love those games, but they're not historical games. They're not trying to say anything. They're just trying to be fun. Like, Mm -hmm. and there's room for all that too, but I just don't want to see games that are really doing something get lost because they're not doing something in the right way, according to part of our community.
0: Right. And ultimately, I think the answer is like, okay, just to like maintain the idea of war, uh, kind of broaden the idea of war to encompass politics because that's what mm-hmm. this is a politics game yeah. and trying to educate the masses to either accept that as it expand the definition or you know it's a, a historical conflict, conflict game now or whatever it is so and ultimately some kind of like change has to happen but at least the chain is happening along tracks yes. and if there's there are some guardrails and that's what these conversations are all about is like establishing those tracks and those guardrails and let evolution happen. Yeah, <laughs> change is not bad.
1: Oh yeah, because negotiation will also always happen over these com- over these conversations. Like, there's mm. no like we said it and now we're done and we've solved the problem for eternity. Like
0: that. I wish. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> that's what gamers all wish. Oh so, yeah. <laughs> these th- these things should be settled. Wingspan yeah, is a thematic game. No, Wingspan is a strategic game.
1: <laughs> there's not a rule book where we can go settle this, guys. Like, there's a- right. um and so i don't know i'm I'm trying to take the more flexible approach going forward because i think that that leaves the most room to do something good Mm -hmm. and not exclude something that shouldn't be excluded i know other people have different opinions but jason i think you and i are roughly on the same page about this one
0: we always uh, very often are that's why we have done our like 27th podcast together and it's amazing
1: (laughs) All right, so with that, I think we'll draw this one to an end, but um, this will be a video on my channel. It's gonna be a podcast on the One Stop Club Shop. So hello to everyone out there. Um, mm-hmm. I'm Everywhere is Beyond Solitaire. Jason, you wanna know?
0: <laughs> Shelf, uh, wait, wait. Shelf Stories GBL on Twitter. Uh, and on YouTube, Shelf Stories, One uh, Stop Co op Shop, we are rolling on hit all. As this uh, pod, as this hits, we are barreling towards episode 400 of the pod and also 40,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel. So we are thriving. So come on in and join the party.
1: Congrats to y'all for that. That's a big milestone. I'm sitting pretty at not that.
0: But. <laughs> but, I mean, Shelf Stories is <laughs> like, it's been at 3,000 for like a year. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> But uh,
1: um, the other thing I guess I want to emphasize is that I feel like among solo creators, too, and and, and co-op, you know, the alliances are there. So just as there's like a war in historical gaming crew, there's also a solo co-op gaming crew. And um, yeah, we're all we're all buds. We're part of this like same circle of people who are encouraging what we love and hoping that you hop in, too. So hop in with us. Let's do it. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Please go try that scary war game if you haven't yet. I promise it won't be so bad. Um, But please uh, like, subscribe, comment, ask questions, and happy gaming, everybody.
0: Later, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast.
1: Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. Also, join us for games and discussion on our Discord channel. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash onestop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again
0: and we'll see you next week for another Top 5 list.